Welcome to the Safe Haven Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. The Safe Haven Podcast is a space for you to be real, raw, emotional, vulnerable, hilarious, and or completely carefree. This podcast offers a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life in a judgment-free zone. Join me and my powerful guests as we dive into a variety of conversations and topics. Listen from where you are, as you are. Think, laugh, and cry along with us, whether you're in your car, in your kitchen, chasing your kids, running your business, caregiving for someone that you love, getting a mani-pedi while you're in the hospital, a treatment center, sitting on the deck, on the dock, or out for a run. These weekly stories and messages will hit you right in the heart, fill up your cup, and recharge your spirits. Joining me today is the lovely Tim Ting. Hello, Tim Ting. How are you? Very good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the Safe Haven I'm ready. You're ready. I'm excited. Feeling good. Yeah. Justin, I I love podcasts. I've never been on one before. You love them? Yeah. Yeah, I do. What podcast do you listen to? Okay, so Malcolm Gladwell is <gasps> good choice. You know, because I, I've read all his books. He's a hero of mine. So uh, revisionist history, obviously, good, yeah, that's one. A good one. Yeah. What other ones? Um, I really like a couple of the uh, CNBC ones. <laughs> oh, those are good too. Actually, yeah, Strange Success. Um, and uh, what was the other one? Do you listen to the Safe Haven podcast? <laughs> well, I just did. <laughs> I just started my first episode uh-huh. starring my good it? friend, uh, Jessica Lee. Jessica Lee, who's actually, we will acknowledge that Jessica Lee is sitting on her beanbag. She's in the room right now, guys. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, she is uh, in the room. Yeah. I insisted that she be a part of this. You know? So she kind of is. Yeah, and she's, she's here. Yeah. We, we love Jessica. We need her to like you know validate my stories because she's she can prove that everything's real. that this has actually That's like right. really happened yeah okay Jessica right. Lee, that kind of puts some pressure on you my friend yeah <laughs> okay well we can put up with this pressure i like this a lot we are ready to go now tim i we kind of discussed that we think we've met before but maybe maybe not i think we've met okay at one of jess's parties i think I've definitely heard a lot about you. In this room, I think. I've, yeah. I've met you. I yes. really think so, too. Mm. It's been a while. Yeah. Nice to see you. I'm in and out a lot. <laughs> I used to be anyway. Yeah. Me, too. Mm. <laughs> okay. But when you got here, I was made aware. Well, I guess I kind of knew a little bit, but I didn't know that you have worked as a music director on cruise ships for eight years. Yeah. So, okay. So, for those years, I was a musician when I first joined uh, Princess Cruises. Uh-huh. It was 2010. Uh, I signed off. I signed on as a musician, trombone player in the band. Four years later, I got promoted to music manager, which is the music director role, plus managing all the bands and all that stuff. Yeah, so I was about four years doing that with Princess. Princess Cruises? Mm-hmm, yeah. <gasps> I no longer do it. Uh, I just quit last year. I was but, just going to uh, say, because Jessica, I remember, had been talking about, like, had some aspirations to go and actually work on cruise ships and had mentioned to you. And now working for eight years on and off of cruise ships, that would be would be quite the lifestyle. It is. Um, uh, I think it attracts a certain type of people mm-hmm. because, uh, say, if you're close to your family and you have to see your 
family every week, then it wouldn't work. If you're married with kids, it's really tough. You know, even though a lot of Filipinos, they that's how they do it. That's how they make their living. Mm-hmm. They're out for, and you know, these are the room stewards and janitors and all those guys. They have like two young kids, you know, babies at home and a wife, and they go on a ship for like 10 months at a time, go home for two two months, make a baby, go back out. Ten That's months. what they do, right? And it's not unusual for them. But like for us Canadians, you know, if you have a kid at home, you don't want to go for even four, right? Which is the standard length of contract I did was right. four months on right. about three weeks off. Yeah. And I did that pretty solidly for eight, eight years with Princess. Wow. Mm. Four months at a time. And obviously you're going in and out of ports at that point though too. But you're essentially packing a bag and you're going to go and live on a boat for four months. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm pretty minimalistic. So I can pack like one suitcase. I know exactly. After the first contract, I, I knew what to pack. I need. I knew how many pairs of jeans I needed. Right, right. I, I, was just I knew everything. Right. So, and I'm a guy, so I, <laughs> I didn't know I need a ton of clothes. Uh, so trombone on me, you know, enough clothes. I sign on and yeah. do my thing. It's. I got used to it. I don't know. Yeah, but. It's, Can uh, you tell me a little bit about what your job as a music director would entail? Are you specifically assigned to a group or do you have new bands as you're in and out of ports or how does that work? Okay, so when I was music manager with Princess, I was the head of the music department on that ship. Okay. And uh, that means I was the band director for this stage band, for the house band. Okay. Uh, so I would rehearse and lead the band that I play in. So I still played music when I was music manager. Cool. But aside from that, I also schedule and manage all the other bands because there's more than one band on the board on on the ship, right? So I'm totally ignorant to cruise ships, to be honest. Like, how big are we talking? How many people are we talking that would even be on this boat? So like, uh, I think the average princess ship is about like two thousand passengers and 1000 crew holy yeah so it's a it's a floating city right wow um, like actually that's that's like so the music <laughs> department would be average of like 20 people okay um so you would have like the stage band would be seven players mm-hmm. um there'd be like a lounge band maybe a trio of quartet there there'd be a party band maybe quartet quintet um string duo or trio uh there's a solo piano player you know so i would manage the whole team of musicians on board and uh i'll schedule when and where they play i would advertise them take care of what they need like talk to production if they need an amp or you know microphones all that stuff yeah and i'll deal with any hr issues that come up Mm -hmm. with having people in your department right you know Did you ever have anything that was really difficult to deal with, I guess, like on the ship or that was super confronting that you had to deal with? Um, It would be like personal issues, I think. Um, Rooming. Okay, so yeah, birthing is is a big thing. Yeah. So because when you're a musician on board, 
unless you're like the uh, production singer where you're the lead singer of a show or something like that or if you're like the guest entertainer dj or if you're like the guest entertainer piano bar personality mm. those people have guest entertainer status and they have their own room they have a window they live very nice uh, but if you're uh, the lounge act singer lounge act piano player or the violin player of the string duo you have to share a room with someone and these are tiny little rooms on a ship <laughs> um, crew members quarters and no window bunk beds uh, I don't know dimensions, but it's tight, you know. So the width of the room would be the length of a twin-size bed, bunk beds, a Ugh. little desk, a TV, two wardrobes, bathroom. That's no window. No window. No, no, no. This is, is how's like, the lighting in there though? I mean, are these like well lit? No, nah, there's a light, you know. But if you turn off the light, it's pitch black, Blech. and you don't know what time it is outside. It sounds like some interesting living conditions. Yeah, so I did that for four years because I started out as a musician, right? Right. So you, and especially like as a house band musician, I sign on and I wouldn't know who I'm rooming with. It'll be a stranger. You shake the guy's hand and you're sleeping in the same room with the guy that night, right? I, I don't know these people. I don't sign mm -hmm. on with anybody I know. Yeah. So uh, it can be, it's, it can be daunting and the, depends it's a luck of a draw thing if the guy snores he snores what are you gonna <laughs> do right that's who he is can't right. blame him Earplugs. if he's uh yeah uh if he's an asshole then that's who he is you have to deal <laughs> with it so there's did that. you ever have did you ever live with someone that was just brutal um yes one. <laughs> oh no that's actually a pretty good ratio i guess um that yeah but i mean because most of the people everybody's there we're on the same boat so to say no pun intended yeah i was oh just God. gonna say I that's a great the fact pun. That i just said that <laughs> um uh, but uh we, we get it we get it's tough for everybody so we try to be considerate and thoughtful mm -hmm. and i try to be an, i've heard that i'm a very good roommate people have said because i'm quiet and i <laughs> but anyway i've had one and i like the guy uh he's not an asshole but he um i i'm not, I'm not gonna say anything bad about the guy but anyway I'm, you know what? Yeah, I just it's his name's Gary. That's his real name. And oh, I, okay. Gary, I like you. Like, and I'm not gonna say anything bad about you. He's a piano player. I'm not. It's not like I'm saying his last name is fine. Okay. Um, you can bleep it out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> we like Gary. I would get back to my cabin, open the door, and it's pitch black. The TV's off, right? But he's sitting at the desk in front of the TV, rocking back and forth, just by himself. In, in silence so the first time i opened the door i was like okay i'm gonna close the door go away for 20 minutes okay you know come back still there you know it's just by himself gary. and i'm just like <laughs> what are you watching hey gary uh mind if i turn on the light and then he would snap out of it and go oh, oh yeah, yeah yeah no problem man yeah it's just cool i'm like yeah cool yeah no problem do you mind if i yeah go around you mind if i turn on the tv he's like yeah no problem man but like he's also like he would get in huge fights with laundry guys downstairs oh, and uh he's got glasses like thick like this and he's an amazing amazing piano player mm -hmm. like incredible piano player but i've never seen him practice it's nuts how good he is what? it's kind of like a savant you know like just yeah he would sleep all day. He'd wake up, eat something, go to sound check. And he would go back to bed 
like so sound checks at five done at five forty five six o'clock put on his pjs what well, well, you know well, not pjs he slept in the nude i i know for, like take off his clothes he'd get in bed again at six he would sleep till showtime which is around eight he would fit in a two-hour nap he would sleep in between the shows and then after the show he'd eat again and then he'd go to bed and he'll sleep and they'll sleep till sound check the next day he did nothing but sleeping and eating and work that's it he had no hobbies, no friends, no nothing. He never, I've never seen him out walking around in a port. I've never. He, it's, wow. Yeah. yeah. That is very hard to relate to. Yeah. And it's, I like the guy we get along, but it's also kind of hard to live with someone who's in the room all the time. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. And, you know, he's sleeping. I don't want to turn on the light. Well, that was actually going to be my next question for you, though, was if on a cruise ship, really, when you're with a certain crew and you're with them for that long, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, omnivert, whatever, how are you able to find time for yourself? You kind of can't. I mean, these bunk beds have a a, a drape uh, curtain that you can close the curtain to your bed and this is your private That's space. That's your bubble. Is, yeah, your bed. Uh, in a bunk bed and I mean so I would load up on movies and TV shows and a hard drive bring it on board I have my iPad load on my iPad and if I don't want to talk to anyone close the curtain in my bed I'll watch two movies in a row yeah watch Modern Family or whatever and that's that's so that's your private time yeah that, but that's the only space that you get to be alone alone uh-huh. right but I never really minded it I, I yeah it's I find it one of the things that I really liked about ships is that in fact that I'm forced to be around strangers hmm. and that we are forced to socialize. Yeah. That I yeah, I think it really changed the way I, you know, perceive, oh, this is how you socialize with people. That's, you know, that I learned how to talk to people on ships, I feel like. Yeah, you'd have to kind of learn how to talk to every different kind of person for sure. Yeah, and they're from everywhere, you know, like you Especially, so in my band, the house band, they hire individually. Uh, like the party band would come as a party band. So those five people, they know each other from before. Mm-hmm. And they you know, come on as a band. But for me, as a trombone player, they hire me, just me. Okay. So I would go in, I would say, shake hands with six people. They, you know, might be from Russia or the United States or England, wherever, Australia. And then we play that night. We have a rehearsal and we play. And then at night, we go to the crew bar. We socialize. You have to make friends with them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, which is good. I'm very thankful for, you know, that experience and taught me how to be, you know, go with the flow, roll with punches. And Okay, so I've got to ask now then. That kind of segues into, those are kind of different kinds of friendships or personal relationships that you would have. What about anything romantic? How do you maintain a romantic type relationship on a ship? Did you? And is it even possible? It's possible. There are success stories. I have a few friends that uh, have, you know, found their life partners through ships. It's not uncommon. They do their thing. They do long D... Or there's this thing, too, in the company. If you know you're working in Princess all the time, you're not going to jump around and work for other companies. Um, Princess 
will let you get linked with someone, which means, you know, if you met a girl you really liked and she is like maybe a youth staff, so she takes care of the kid center mm -hmm. and you're a musician, whatever. And then you guys sign the form saying that we want to be linked. Then the company will try. They'll try their best to send you guys to the same ship at the same time. That's nice. Yeah, from now on until one of you go, okay, we're delinking or whatever, or huh. chips or whatever. So, but that the word "try," of course, is the big word there because sometimes it's not possible. And if you're from Canada and she's from the UK, you know, you guys will have to do some serious planning and oh, for talking sure. about what you guys want. But there are success stories. Big time. One weird one is Dan. Again, his real name. And again, Dan, I'm going <laughs> to say Dan. only good things about <laughs> you. So Dan is a trumpet player from the UK. I love the guy. Uh, he's, he's a cool dude. He hooked up with the South African uh, spa staff, right? So she does facials and massages and stuff like that. And they had a ship relationship, which we thought, I, I don't know, I I. I just drank with a guy and we're dudes. We don't talk about, you know, open up and, you know, do you like this girl? Do you see a future? <laughs> Not really. Okay. But <laughs> I thought that they they just like being with each other on that ship. And I thought that was going to be it. That's how I viewed their relationship. Uh-huh. Uh, I finished the contract. I went home and uh, he one, one day he was like, uh, the group chat that we were at, everybody was saying, oh, calling him dad for some reason i was like what like that's i thought they were just teasing him but apparently he did knock her up and they were gonna have a baby and i was a little like what like i didn't know how to so i called him what are you gonna do like are you gonna be with her are you gonna what's your plan like what's gonna this is nightmare sc scenario <laughs> she's from south africa you're from england what's the plan here you know and uh it didn't seem like at the time that he really had a plan but fast forward it to now he is super dad they Aww. live in england he is killing it just they're so happy with their little baby boy I so there's the name, so you're right there is a success story there is and that one is accidental i feel like yeah, you have to be very story. very lucky good job dan to like and then you happen to that could have went a lot of different oh, ways. It, yeah and the flip side to that is i've also had other friends this guy i'm not gonna name because his relationship didn't work but uh -oh. it seemed like everything was perfect they have a they have a multi-year they they were linked for the longest time they seemed perfect together. Everything was great. And then a year later, I found out, oh, they broke up. I'm like, what? How? It's just like, well, it didn't work out. It's, but it's kind of like normal relationship is kind of like that too, isn't it? Yeah, I guess they come and go too, right? Yeah. And you never know what is going to make a relationship work and what's going to destroy another one. Right? Well, I was thinking too that, I mean, it's one thing to just be together while you're actually physically both on a ship. Right, because then you can just kind of make that balance work. But I was thinking that it would be completely different if one is on land and one's on the ship for extended periods of time like that, like you said. Mm -hmm. And I guess more that's more acceptable or more common within certain areas, regions, cultures than than others. But I think I think that would be quite difficult to navigate. Yeah. 
Yeah. But to them, I think it's part of the, like, and I mentioned Filipinos, but like Indonesian, Vietnamese, I, I think it depends on the economic reality of yep. where they're from as well. Um, yeah, that totally makes sense. And it's not just ships, right? Like, uh, I think there's that statistic about the Philippines and their major export is labor, right? Mm -hmm. So they go and they earn money, they take it home. It's very common to them. So, um, yeah, I just can't imagine doing it. No, um, but interesting, though, enough that how you've mentioned, well, you mentioned to me pre-recording, the listeners obviously haven't heard this, but even when it comes to split relationships, can we dig a little bit deeper into your own upbringing and having a, it wasn't a split family necessarily, but I mean, you guys moved here when you were seven. Can you dive into that a little mm -hmm. bit? Yeah. So, uh, I'm born Hong Kong. For those of you who can't see me, I'm Asian. <laughs> uh, I was born in Hong Kong. My parents are Chinese. Uh, well, I'm Chinese too. I'm Chinese Canadian. <laughs> we love Tim Ting. <laughs> He's good. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I was born in Hong Kong. My family moved here when I was seven, but my dad wanted to stay in Hong Kong and work because he didn't want to give up his practice. He was a doctor. And uh, but it's very common. It's very, very common for mm -hmm. immigrant family story where one or both their parents don't move with the kids to the new country. But uh, yeah, so I grew up kind of grew up without a dad but he's still my dad they didn't get a divorce nothing mm. we would long distance call him and we would every summer like summer vacation we'll fly to hong kong visit dad mm -hmm. come back for school he would come out maybe chinese new year's every other year yeah uh, for like a couple weeks mm -hmm. you know. but um my mom took the three of us to canada and that was her big life project hurdle thing is that i and i think it really imprinted on her just uh, taking three kids to a place that she's never been to mm -hmm. uh, cu the culture shock you know giving up all even though like she had a good circle of friends a good network here because it was the immigration wave that was happening so my dad already had other friends their families they're all friends they've already moved here and that's part of the reason why they chose to move here to vancouver got it um so it just kind of makes more of a safe landing space i think too because you're already aware of who's kind of waiting for you on the other side exactly yeah, yeah. but uh i think my mom still felt like she was you know really you know going out into the wilderness type you know feeling um she didn't speak speak a ton of english I mean, she's college educated, you know, she can speak English and she understands English, you know, she can read English, but not like the local. And it's the culture more than the language. I think that mm -hmm. was tough for her. After having arrived here, I definitely need to bring up the point that you went to Point Grey Secondary, which is where Seth Rogen went to high school. That's right. Yeah. Even though I think he's a few years ahead of me. Uh -huh. And then I think you said that he dropped out. Right. So I actually don't remember seeing him in the school ever mm -hmm. even though i think i have to do the math but he might have been like in grade 11 when i was in grade 8 or something like that still pretty cool jess had actually done a practicum there and got to read his essays and apparently he was absolutely brilliant <laughs> which is yeah no big deal jess <laughs> very cool can you talk a little bit about high school days even i mean what was what was high school like did you enjoy high school 
High school was cool. I, I loved high school because at Point Grey, even like this is in the 90s, there weren't as many Asian kids there as there is now, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I had a group of Asian friends and we had our own thing going and it was fine. And like high school, I felt like high school made sense to me. It was elementary school that w- was really hard. Oh. Because I mean, I just came here, right. right? And I didn't speak any English, basically. Yeah. I mean, like, en- there were English classes in um, Hong Kong elementary school, which I did one year of, right? And they taught us English in uh, kindergarten in Hong Kong as well, but it's, I can't communicate. Mm-hmm. I got here. It was tough. Like, elementary school was tough. And I remember being, like, really bad at it. And I just didn't get it. You know, I, I felt like I needed clear criteria. Like, I want to know what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But, like, elementary school here, even back in the 90s, was, I thought was so wishy-washy being like, oh, let's do a group project <laughs> or let's just read this and draw a picture. And I was really like, what What do you want me to do? You want me to tell you what 2 plus 2 is? Because I know that, you mm-hmm. know, like. So when I got to high school, I felt like I had that. Where yeah. it's like, oh, good, tests. I can do tests. Yeah. I get it, right? Like, I there is an answer I can put on a piece of paper and get an A. Mm-hmm. I, so what's weird is, like, even grade 7 in elementary school, I was pretty bad. I had really bad grades. Every, well, if everything except math. Again, I'm Asian. But uh, <laughs> I got to I got to secondary school, and I uh-huh. was like, oh, easy. Yeah. yeah, science class. Yeah, well, I, I know the answer. It's more concepts. Can... Yeah, you understand what's being asked of you. I also really like that those specific subject areas that you you know what's expected of you, you know what the point of the lesson is, and you can give a valid answer. Yeah, big yeah. time. But even like in English class, it's like, oh, you want me to write you an essay? Okay, I can write you an essay. It's but... kind of more like, but why? Yeah, exactly. But like in elementary school, I thought it was like a lot of, here's, you know, construction paper do something with it and i was like i don't want to i don't know what do you want from me like <laughs> give me a task yeah what am i supposed to do <laughs> what am i supposed to produce here uh-huh it's like yeah. oh research project i think that, that that was huge i think it was like the third grade so i remember being in third grade so how, how old is the third grader like eight years old okay yeah and I remember being like, well, this is pointless. Like, well, what am I? I'm not going to have any breakthroughs. Like, you want me to research something? I'm not going to find so- anything new. I'm just going to copy something from a book and show it to you. <laughs> I didn't know that's what you wanted me to do. Yeah. I, th- I was like, if you wanted me to copy something out of 10 books, you know, and sum up the information I get from what people already know and just tell you. I can do that. Mm-hmm. But then they wanted to like be like, oh, this is a research project. We want you to go find out things. I'm like, everything's found out already. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not valid. a scientist. Really? I can't find out anything <laughs> breakthrough. There's no. So I thought it really like, stupid. And I didn't get it. Okay. You just <laughs> mentioned scientists. I'm actually super keen now on just kind of like completely hanging a hard right turn. Right. And scientist. Your sister's a scientist, like a real life one. Yes. Yeah. A, a real life scientist. That's right. Yeah. So she has a PhD in pharmacokinetics. Uh, I don't know what that means, but it's Neither do fancy. I, but I know what to... <laughs> 
but I know that that's I actually have a copy of her thesis in my in my <laughs> among my books in my bedroom. I never I've never read it. I'm not I'm not going to get it, but I have a copy. Also pharmacogenetics is her side thing. I okay. don't know. But anyway, also so fancy. as far as I understand, uh the, if you study pharmacology, you study what pills do to you, right? But pharmacokinetics is the study of what your body does to the medication you take. So how does your body break down and metabolize things? The study of how long will it does your body uh, take to break down a certain chemical? And mm. that's the study. That's what she studies. So she works for a major pharmaceutical company right now. And, um, and she's pretty sought after as well, too. Eh? You were saying even before she graduated, people were seeking her out, headhunting her. Yeah, which is kind of nuts because she was still working on her PhD thesis. And uh, I would there would be a call uh, on the phone, landline back then. I pick up, oh, is Lillian here? We're, you know, We got so many calls like that. I was like, oh, hey, yes, sis, it's another headhunter. They want to talk to you. And she started getting flown to places and doing like a weekend interview to fly her back. And uh, the first company she worked for actually offered her a job before she finished her PhD. And she was the one who had to remind them being like, I might might fail my thesis dissertation. I, 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 I might not get it. How can you just hire me willy nilly? And they're like, oh, don't worry. Um, we'll, we'll hire you, and then we'll let you. We'll give you an office space. You can work on your dissertation, and then when it comes to submitting it and defending it, we'll just send you back. And my sister, because she's such a task-oriented person, mm -hmm. that she's like, no, I won't work like that. You hire me when I'm done. And they're like, we respect that. This is an open offer. When you get your PhD, come work for us. And yeah, that's and pretty she incredible. Did. She literally, from I don't think she actually did the whole commencement put on a robe and a hat thing she put in her thesis she defended it she found out that she got it and like literally two weeks later she was on a plane and uh, she went to the states and started working for the company and so so university was here yeah at ubc at ubc yeah. and then so where is she currently living uh, right now, she's living in Philadelphia. Phil that is really cool. Yeah, but uh, her first her first job was in New Jersey. Headhunters was still heading her up. So two years later, she moved to San Francisco, worked two years there for another ph pharmaceutical company until this one offered her. Mm -hmm. And because her husband is from uh, New Jersey, so they oh, wanted okay. to move back out east. Nice. Yeah, and they have. Uh, kid now, little Jacob. Aww. Hi, Jacob. Hi, Jacob. You're not going to listen to this podcast. It's way too adult for you. Maybe one day. Yeah, one yeah. day. Yeah. Jacob's five now. Do you get to see them often? Once in a while. I yeah. try to see them. Ah, Jacob. Yeah. All right. I have a question for you. Yeah. After I found out that you were in the cruise ship industry for quite a while, you have recently made a pretty huge career change. So you've recently become a real estate agent yes. in Vancouver. Yes. Number one, why the switch? Uh, well, I did eight years on ships uh, and I've spent my whole adult life uh, being a musician and studying music. That's how I know Jessica, by the way, because we went to music school together, Capilano College, back when it was still a college. 
um, which is one of the best jazz programs in Canada, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she studied jazz saxophone and I studied jazz trombone. She was one year behind me. Fact check, Jessica? I think I started, yeah, just one year before you did, yeah. Okay, so so you guys met there, and so obviously that had really ignited a music career. Yes. So then after eight years, but why um, real estate? Well, I've always had an interest in it. Um, my family, my whole family have, has an interest in real estate, and my mom owns properties in Hong Kong, and it's a very Chinese mindset to own property um but i always had an interest in it i'm fascinated by okay so this is again this is i don't judge anybody that there seems to be two sectors of people and one section of people in our society are the line landowners seemingly the landlords they have a house or two and then there's a whole nother portion of our population that's on a treadmill renting right Mm -hmm. not to say that there's good and bad on whichever side because there are some real advantages to renting and i think renting can really be the solution if you know what advantage and you can leverage the advantage so okay i'm a realtor right now so i'm super gung-ho about selling people houses and people buying and owning property but my favorite story and it's a true story of my high school friend i know his whole family they live down the street I lived on 36th Avenue, and they lived on 37th. And I go to his house, we play video games. But um, his dad was a very successful uh, business owner. Uh, They owned an an insurance company. So we grew up in the same neighborhood, and they lived in this house for 20 years. Uh, Recently, I found out that they moved. You know, the whole family moved out of there, and they're in a condo now, and my friends in Japan um, carrying on his dad's business now. Anyway, So I said, oh, you guys sold the house. And he's like, no, we never owned it. And I was like floored. I was like, you guys lived there for like 25 years. We, you grew up in that house uh, on the west side. And he said, yeah, we, we just rented it the whole time. This is like two decades, you know, like, and your kids grew up in that house and you never owned it. And that's a wow. lot of rent. And this is like West Side. This is a four-bedroom house. You know, this is a major thing. So I was like, your dad never wanted to buy a house, you know. And he said, and this is stuck with me. It made sense for them to rent because his dad was a business owner. He's an, he would rather use that capital, use that cash, and invest it into his own business. And that it would yield bigger returns than if he bought a house. And it did because he grew his business and he was super, super successful in his business. So there's no reason why if he had the cash, and he did, to buy a house on the west side, he would rather spend it on an investment in his business. And it made sense for him. So he always just rented. And I was like, your dad is a successful story. And yeah, it that's should very be, business minded. Right. And it should be the beacon of anyone who plans on renting forever and ever and ever, you know, right? and I'm like, all the power to you, you should go do that. But you should know what kind of power you're leveraging. So if the reason why you're renting is because, uh, you know, you have three cars, 
you know, then I'll be like, well, do you need three cars? <laughs> so that would be my question. Unless, of course, you're like a taxi service or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's big. You know, if you want to rent, rent. Make a decision to rent. Um, if you want to own, you, you got to make a plan. I know it's super hard. Vancouver is such a tough, tough place to to own. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, right now, I'm working mostly in Langley and Abbotsford. Lots of young families and I think... It, and they're awesome places. Like, <laughs> I got made fun of by a couple of old timers. Uh, I met a couple of realtors randomly, and I told them, "Oh, I'm doing a couple of showings out in Abbotsford this weekend." And they're like, "Oh, what are you showing a farm?" Ha 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 ha. Mm-hmm. They thought it was funny because I mean, these guys are established realtors in Vancouver. They only do like million dollar condos and houses and stuff like that. North Shore, good for them, you know. But it's super developed out there now, and Langley they're building like crazy and it's all yeah Langley it's growing very quickly yeah and it's very family oriented and I'm doing a lot of first-time home buyers out there with young families mm-hmm. I get it it's tough if you work in Vancouver you want to live near if I'm selling you something in Langley you're probably working in Surrey which makes a lot of sense and hey Surrey's is a big business center right mm-hmm. now right like it's up and coming it makes a lot of sense for a lot of people at the same time if you want to stay in Vancouver I get it I get the fact that a lot of people just can't put down payment down and and I feel for them like it's like I I'm I'm still new to the real estate game so maybe I should be a little more robotic about it but I I do feel bad I'm working with a single mom right now we're looking in Langley she has a toddler and uh she I I didn't ask her but I put the pieces together that she must have been recently divorced and um she told me that Part of the problem for her is that child support does not count as income when it comes to applying for a mortgage, right? Because the child support is money that your ex-husband gives you to raise the child, mm-hmm. not for you to, not an income to you personally. Mm-hmm. So the bank doesn't recognize it as income, which means it really kills her ability to buy. So I'm trying to find her a condo in Langley, and it. I'm trying to find her a place where it's like one bedroom plus a den that can fit her toddler, you know, and it has no window in it and it's tiny. And a couple of times she said, oh, maybe this will work. I'm like, well, imagine if you close the door and there's no window in this room and you want your son to be in this room, maybe think it over. It's tough. It's really hard. And I can't at her price range. I, I can't find her. Mm-hmm. A two bedroom, even Langley, it's it's really really tough. So, but yeah. uh, that's even just driving around in the morning because I'm I'm currently just staying up Pitt Meadows, uh, Maple Ridge area, and so when I'm driving to work in Surrey because I work for the Surrey District School Board at the moment, when I'm driving in through Surrey, I cannot believe the amount of people that are driving from out here or even from Abbotsford yeah. into Vancouver to work. And then driving all the way back. And it's not that far, but that is bumper to bumper traffic. Yeah. yeah. Right? But but that's because you, you have to go that far out of the city to find affordable housing. Yeah. And all the power to those people as well. The other way around. If, if they're willing to do that, the, the grind every day. I mean, that's 
I think hours in the day is also a big commodity, right? Uh, well, I've had right. that chat before, even with friends of mine is, you know, when you look at how many hours a week you are spending sitting alone in your car in bumper to bumper traffic, is that a quality of life that you're happy with? Yeah. That's a lot. But they do it if they make a conscious decision to say, okay, I want to lock up equity and capital. Then it makes sense because mm-hmm. when you pay rent, you it's like you're paying for a service you're paying for the right to live somewhere mm-hmm. and it's gone yeah right when you pay mortgage you pay into the equity of a, a house that you then own yeah which means let's say worst case scenario you're 99 percent done on your mortgage you have two payments left and you go bankrupt what happens hey you still you've built up equity on this house that you're even if you're not done even if the bank forecloses on you, like this is worst case disaster scenario. What happens when they foreclose on you? Okay, you've made all these payments. It's not all for nothing. Mm-hmm. When the bank sells your house, you get all your all that equity back, right? So it's like it's a savings plan and you live in it, right? So that's right. the power right. of owning. So a lot of clients always ask, okay, is the value going to go up. They want it to appreciate. It's almost like, ooh, you know, they want to invest in something that goes up in value. I'm like, mm-hmm. it, it will tend to go up in value. I don't know where the market's going. I Ask 10 realtors. We've been trained not to say whether the market's going up and down or down. Not because we're being tricky or sly or anything. It's because we don't know. We, mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't have a crystal ball. We have yep, no idea. Exactly. The market might go down because the economy be- becomes shit or mm-hmm. something happens. I have no idea, right? But if you want your rental payments to turn into mortgage payments, where these mortgage payments go into the equity of something that mm-hmm. saves, right? That that's you stash away this value into this thing that you live in, then it's an advantage. Okay, so we just had a quick little uh, beep beep from the ding dong doorbell here. So (laughs) (laughs) we got pizza. Yeah, we got pizza. The pizza has arrived, and actually, (laughs) just loves my noises. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) we have two more questions for you. Ready? Here we go. I'm ready. What are you most proud of? Um, so I already told you that I deconstruct questions. So I think. if you're looking for like a thing that I've done, mm-hmm. I think it's so specific that it's it's great question by the way. Like it's because it's so tough. I think it, I think that's one that you could actually take pretty far, or could just take it surface level. So it's really you just take it as it comes. What I you most think proud of? I'm proud of my. Uh, it might sound a little general, but I think I'm proud of my mindset and perspective Mm -hmm. maybe not mindset but perspective i think i have a pretty clear well i think everyone thinks that so it must might be narcissistic for me to say that but (laughs) i think i think i have a clear perspective on a lot of things i wouldn't say everything i'd say i i'm pretty introspective i would you say that you're open-minded yeah i i really think so i'm willing to hear anybody's view on anything at any time i think that that's a really good quality to have yeah and that I'll, I'm willing to put it into my mind and go, okay, what makes sense? Why does this person think it makes sense? Shifting perspectives. We're all about that. Mm. Okay, last one. Okay. This is it? I think so. Oh. 
and then pizza yes okay okay i'm excited about pizza but i'm not excited about because this is this is super fun it's enjoyable way. right it's and that hour it like flies by i thought it was 20 minutes literally when you said <laughs> this was more than an hour i was like what i just got to do a little Impossible. bit of a trim and we're good to go yeah i got you mm. i know i told you it it flies by and we're just hanging out it's Crazy. so fun yeah last one okay what do you want to be known for so um you prepped me on this so i i've thought about it okay good uh those are the only two questions i ever prepped for that's by right. the way yeah and uh, when i say prep i mean she threw these at me right before she hit record so <laughs> not even that prepped uh so i thought i would throw in a fun one uh i play poker i <laughs> love the game not just like in uh oh i like to go play my buddies which i do but uh i it's a fantasy of mine to go play the world se series of poker and win a bracelet and which is like that's one of the so you want to be known for getting a bracelet at the world series poker of poker. series yeah the wsop that it would be amazing how are you going to make this happen i'm all about goals and making them happen so what steps are you going to take so um, i just added a point b yeah. what are the steps that you're going to take to make this goal happen for point b um <laughs> i um doing some studying i'm reading up on uh on poker theory practice lots of practice mm. and uh but a weird practicing so i i was a musician right so i know about how to practice and how to reflect on practicing and be self-aware because if you're doing it mindlessly and you're doing the same thing over and over you're not really practicing and getting mm -hmm. better so i'm well i'm trying i want to i'm on a journey but uh, like i wouldn't journeys. say that i'm a very good poker player uh but i'm studying up and uh yeah so after you get this bracelet you can come back on the podcast and tell us all about how the world series only was. after oh you can come back I, before if you because like because that might it might be like 20 years from now <laughs> It's well, you got to steal somebody's lipstick and write it on your mirror, Rachel Hollis style. I own a bracelet from the World Series Poker Championships or something like that. Actualize <laughs> it. Little... You need to actualize it and visualize it and then manifest it and do it. Okay. I... Create steps, attainable steps. I've never really been like, I'm, I'm more of a general direction kind of guy being like, this is the direction <laughs> I want to go. I'm, I'm not even about baby steps. I'm be like just get that's it? the way i'm facing right now okay and then you know i'll i do it because i find it to be fulfilling and cool and awesome and i enjoy it like i said it's a bit of a fantasy uh goal anyway but i it'll be nice to go to vegas and win one one day well thank you yeah. for sharing your perspectives thank you very much I for having me yeah this i appreciate so your fun. time i know right it's crazy <laughs> tell your friends <laughs> the first podcast I've ever been on, and uh, it might not be the last. Hope, yeah, I'd love to be on again if you have me. Okay, so, yeah. deal. Yeah, <laughs> love okay. it. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Safe Haven Podcast. Please make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review these episodes. And if you are interested in supporting the podcast in more ways than just listening, if you go to the safehavenpodcast.podbean.com and look up at the top right, there's a cute little green button there that says become a patron. This is where you can donate as little or as much as you like. There is absolutely no obligation to do this. This is just another way to make sure that the podcast continues, that my equipment is covered while I chase these incredible stories and messages. Telling your friends about the podcast really helps too. And I really appreciate the time that you spend listening to these stories. 
Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.